In the name of God who draws us all together, amen. When Jesus saw the two disciples following him, he turned to them and said, what are you looking for? And they said, Rabbi, where are you staying? And Jesus said, come and see. You know, these are the very first words of Jesus in the Gospel of John. And I think this is very interesting because Jesus doesn't begin with a sermon or a commandment or some sort of exhortation. Jesus begins with a question. What are you looking for? Essentially, what do you need? What, what, what is it that you seek? And as I was studying and preparing for the sermon, I came across this super academic paper about minute details. And um, there was this one line that, that sort of caught me. And it really didn't have anything to do with the rest of the paper. But uh, the, the author said, your own personal answer to this question says a lot about your journey of faith. And so I stopped and I asked myself, what is it that I need from Jesus? What is it that I, I really seek from Jesus? What, what do I need from Jesus? And I have to be really honest with you that I completely blanked. Just absolutely blank. I, I couldn't think of anything. And I began to panic a little bit. And my self-talk started because we all have that. And it said, you know, you're a priest. You're, you're going to need to get that together. And um, so I went back to the passage and, and um, I started to reread it. And I thought about John the, the Baptist, John the baptizer, who begins with, um, who is Jesus? And he says, uh, here is Jesus. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And what does that mean, really, right? Because this is a phrase that we sing a lot, uh, the Agnes Day, Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world, have mercy on us. And I remember in seminary writing a paper about this, a treatise, really, and, and wondering how in the world do you, do you take this, these words that, um, that the meaning of them is, is so you know, obscure, right? That, that um, how do you take an illusion of the Passover and the eschaton? How do, you, how do you take that explanation and make a message out of it for people that are just sitting in the pews that want to know, what, what do I do next? And as I was writing that paper and thinking about that, I, I was at a, a conference and a lady said, well, um, you know, we just need Jesus right, as Lamb of God, we just need Jesus to get to heaven. And so we only go to church to get our ticket punch so we can get into heaven. And I thought, no, no, it's, it's far more than that. It's, this is far more than that. And, and as I was remembering all of that, I came back to, okay, well, if that's not it, then what is Jesus to me? For me, my theology um, is grounded in the importance of the incarnation. That, it, for me, that, that, that God, by way of Jesus, would take on human flesh, right, and experience birth and growth and love and relationships and good food, he ate a lot and good wine because he drank a lot. 
Maybe even he had a cold. He suffered. He died. For me, that this God who created me has experienced all of that, and as they say, sanctified all of our life experiences, which is just saying um, that, that God knows what we're going through, right? For me, that grounds me in hope. But then I started to think, what would other people say about what is Jesus to them? And so I asked some of you, um, and, and I said, look, I, you know, this is for my sermon. I'm not going to say your name. But, but I asked a few people, what, what do you need from Jesus? And the answers, I have to tell you, really moved me. And um, they made me think differently and look at Jesus differently. So one person said, I seek a path. I need to be led. And I bring my son here because I want my son to have a path and to be led. And someone else said, I seek peace and calm and the ability to help other people while maintaining a balance in my own life. And another person said, you know, I've received from Jesus what I never knew. And that is that I was loved even before I was born. But my basic goodness, she said, gets covered up a lot by my thoughts and my emotions and my cravings and my desires. And so I come to church to be reminded of the love that Jesus has for me. Another person said, "Um, well, I need help dealing with my anxieties and my worries. And I need help finding patience and, and insight and empathy and happiness in the ordinary and and contentment with the blessings that I already have. But the one that really put me on my heels, that really was a a gut punch to me, was a one-word response, grace. She said, I need grace. And I thought, why didn't I think of that? I need grace. We all need grace. And I found myself so inspired by these answers Truthfully, they made me look at my faith and my life in a new light. And they made me remember that we aren't called to do this life alone. And with that new lens, then I I, I could see the first words of Jesus in this gospel is not just a question, but an invitation. So it's like Jesus said, what are you looking for? And the disciples say, well, uh, where can we find what we're looking for? And Jesus says, well, then follow me. Come on with me. Start walking with me, and you're going to find it. And this begins Jesus' public ministry. This, from this point on, Jesus starts to walk back toward the God who created him, who sent him to dwell among us. And as he's walking back, he's constantly collecting people with him, companions and disciples and this ragtag group of people. He's not walking alone. He's putting people with him. That's what come and see means. And see, by way of... of, um, being the body of Christ at work in the world, that's what happens when you're baptized. You're, you're, you're put into this big group. That's what we're to continue to do, to walk with each other, 
You see, we're called into relationship with each other because relationship is what changes us. Relationship changes us. Being in relationship with each other, it gives us new insight. And, and Jesus, Jesus um, always uses relationship to instigate our conversions. Jesus always uses relationship to transform us. There's a lot of literature out there today about how the church is in decline, how the church is dying, and I read this a lot. And I heard a guy a few years ago say that the problem is, is that um, when his church start, stops growing, when, when people in a church stop talking to each other, then their faith becomes a parking lot, really. It becomes stagnant. And some churches, he said, are, are just a place of protection where isolated people um, they don't really talk to each other, but they huddle together on Sunday morning in the, in the hope of a life to come because they've stopped sharing their lives. And the thing is, is that I don't think that people have suddenly just stopped wanting to grow and journey together. In fact, I've seen this surge of podcasts and books and movements and clubs um, all designed to help people make sense of their lives. Because that's what journeying together is about. It's about us trying to make sense of our lives together. And one of the most successful movements is called the Good Life Project. And it's this global community of people who, who want to help each other live more meaningful and connected lives. And so they actually have a creed and it's longer than our creed. And this creed has phrases like this in it. Find all and let it shake you and melt you and lift you and then share it. Another phrase says, love so deeply it cracks open the world. And the last, I love it. Build a tribe because people matter. And their success tells me that there is this basic human instinct to be a part of something greater than ourselves. To seek something to have faith in and, and, and something to orient our lives around. Something that will help us grow and transform and then to have people to share that with. And their success also makes me truly believe the guy who said that the church would catch fire if each of us knew what we needed from Jesus and we were willing to share it with other people. You see, that's exactly what the disciples did. Andrew has this encounter with Jesus. It changes him. He goes home to his brother and says, you're not going to believe this. You've got to meet this guy. And without that, we wouldn't be here you know, we as individuals are in this time of the year where we're making fresh starts and resolutions. And we as the church, next week, we're going to elect new leaders for this community and probably talk about goals for the year. And so I, I, I wonder in this time um, what it would look like if we, as, as the body of Christ at work in the world, we as St. Andrews 
at work in this community. We as individuals, what if we renewed our commitment to growing together? You see, what would shift in our lives, in our community, in our church, if we simply asked ourselves, what is it that we need from Jesus? What are we seeking? And then we shared it with just one person. You know, that seems really small. But I think that's what we're called to do. To share with each other in our hopes and our dreams and our sorrows and our joys. Because it's through those kinds of relationships that we get new perspective. And more often than not, we get new life. You know, the Good Life Project says that tr genius, true, true genius, begins with a burning question. And this morning, Jesus asked us, what are you looking for? 